0: For another week of PBT Extra, we have to acknowledge the Christmas tree in the background of Kurt, (laughs) a little box here on our our stream yard. Kurt, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, How are you doing as we approach this weekend?
1: Yeah, I really need to start shopping. I I think (laughs) I'm normally I'm one of the I I tend to be a late shopper. I, I tend to be just because I'm busy. I put things off. But this year has been especially bad and my kids. Two, my two kids in, in high school; their school schedule runs up through Friday, like they're up right up until right up until the holiday. So it's we've just been behind on everything, and so yeah, no. It, there's Christmas panic about to hit the human household this week, man. What have you been up to, Corey? What have you been doing?
0: I've been all over the place. Um, I've been, but I think for me, as I kind of like, I was actually just home in San Antonio for all like. Right like for like two days and I got to, to you know say hi to my parents and which was great see my grandpa which was really lovely and now I'm back in New York and New York is the best place I think in the world if you're not with family of course you know to be for Christmas and yeah. so there's like this really special kind of air here and I think it's like the best probably the best holiday um I, I would say also St. Patrick's Day in New York is pretty great Um, but it rivals St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. But, I mean, Christmas in New York is so cool. What's interesting, though, Kurt, is that, like, there's also this, like, melancholy. I don't know if you've seen When Harry Met Sally. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, this weird, like, melancholy as well. Like, it's so magical, Christmas and New Year's here. But then there's also, like, this, like, acute awareness that you are like completely alone <laughs> in a sea yeah. of like millions of people with all their families and loved ones and people are getting engaged and married. So it's like a really strange dichotomy of like, this is the best place in the world. It's like Disneyland. It's like so magical. And then also like, I'm actually like very lonely. So it's like a weird thing. I, I happen to find more of the magic in Christmas, but I have noticed um, some people find the the holidays very depressing here. And I was like, wow, why is that? So now I know why.
1: I, I have learned one thing from lifetime christmas movies Corey, and hallmark christmas movies it's that everybody in new york has to go to a small you know women give up their high powered jobs in the city that they've dreamed of for years to move back to a small town and open a b&b airport <laughs> with a nice guy wearing a flannel shirt Corey. it's not about new york anymore is it christmas <clears throat> is about small towns man
0: it's, hey see I have not seen a Hallmark movie in a, in a in a minute but I was in Sioux Falls South Dakota and it felt like a Hallmark movie downtown it was in December we were there for the I was there for the Gonzaga uh, Baylor game and it was like so magical and for that split second in, like 3 days I was thinking this is a Hallmark movie, and I wouldn't mind spending a little bit of time in this world. Like, you know, it was pretty nice. The food was delicious, and it was like one Main Street, Kurt. And there were wreaths and Christmas trees, and it was just so. It was really nice. I gotta say. So that 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 story you tell is not. It, it's not like too far off. I think as far as the magic existing in small town USA, I, I really enjoyed that. Oh, that's great. How did Gonzaga look? I mean, both both the teams. It was well, Baylor won. Um, but it was like a, a great defensive matchup. Drew Timmy uh, was shut down, which oh, was like, he, yeah. I don't think if I remember correctly, it was a couple weeks ago, but he did not score um, like a field goal in the first half. So it was like, that was kind of shocking. So Baylor's defensive plan worked out really well. And this was just after they got uh, blown out by like 30 something points, I think, by by team, so it was it was a pretty great uh, rebound by them, no pun intended. But talking mm-hmm. basketball, we got to go to Phoenix, don't we? Uh, we a nothing says Christmas like Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, and this is, a, I mean, this is a pretty great gift. Four billion dollars, estimate. You know, it's still being finalized. But uh, Matt Ishbia is is buying the team, and but it's interesting, Phoenix Suns and Mercury, because remember yeah. both of them were owned uh, by by Sarver. Um, and I just kind of was curious to hear your thoughts on this whole process. Uh, the investment bank that the Phoenix retained said it could be six to nine months for it to be completely finalized. That statement came out early this fall, maybe it's August, September, and here we are uh, approaching this holiday weekend, and it's done. What, what what did you think about the speed here? It went really quickly, but I know that there are a lot of
1: people. It, it, it's kind of a seller's market right now. If you want to sell your NBA team, there are a lot of investment groups, a lot of people with this kind of money, like Matt Ishba, who is, like, they've they've been looking at teams. I know he's looked at some NFL teams. Like, he's had his money lined up. His, I don't know. I kind of compare it to, like, hunting for a house or a condo where, like, Mm -hmm. you go get pre-approved, you get your ducks in a row, and then you go find what you're looking for. I think I got a feeling there was a lot of that, a lot of very rich guys ready to step in immediately and take over situations. So this is a – I think this is a good one for the league. A, Corey – just there's still some house cleaning that needs to go on in that front office. A lot of, a lot of guys who were part of the problem there still seem to be there, but I think just getting a fresh face as an owner and, and being able to hopefully improve that situation and the work situation there, it would be a huge step forward just for the league and, and and the culture.
0: Yeah, this was, um, I thought it was an interesting from like the side of just like what's following. If you're looking at like the premier league, and the rush for Americans to buy sports teams internationally, yeah. and then also vice versa. I know you're a Newcastle fan. Uh, the Middle East, how yeah. everyone's trying. Like it seems like there's like this huge rush to, to get into sports as uh, an interesting investment because I think this team, if I'm not mistaken, bought you know what was bought in uh, 20 years ago for like
1: 2004 for four hundred thousand, four hundred million dollars, which was the record.
0: At the let that sink in. Right. And then 20 years later, 4 billion. So that kind of jump, it kind of screams like, Oh, that's an investment. I, I think it, it's an interesting, it's a little more complicated than that, you know, like most things, right. Cause like it's a pretty capital intensive business and like, you know, how often are you making money year over year? You're like, so it's like, there's a lot of questions there, you know, and it's like a luxury asset, but I think in, in like the, in the state of this is kind of boring, but in the state of like what's going on, this is fascinating that an NBA team, could be equivalent to like, let's say Chelsea, yep. you know, like a premier league team that has like one of the biggest fan bases globally that then puts the NBA on par with, cause like in the NFL, it dominates the U S right. But premier league dominates the world, Chelsea, Manchester, you know, United, these are teams that have billions of fans, like billions, b billions of fans around the world. For the Phoenix Suns to kind of get within, you know, throwing distance as far as a, like a rock is concerned, like throwing distance, spitting distance of a, of a Premier League team. And especially it's not like the Knicks. It's not like the Lakers. It's the Phoenix yeah. Suns. That should be a massive signal to the rest of the NBA. Like we are a global, global business that's on par with, you know, some of some of the best fan bases in the world.
1: I think we'll get into this a little more later, but I think you also hit the nail on the head. That's where the growth is for the NBA. Uh, the NFL, I think, actually is doing better in Europe, but it's it's mm. not the same. This is, I think, soccer is, uh, fut- football is the better equivalent because, like, when Barcelona plays Real Madrid, like, the streaming and television numbers crush the Super Bowl. They're, like, double, triple the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous because it's international. It's not just Spain watching it, right, or, or, or Europe. It's the far east and it's china and it's the philippines and it's other africa and south america and this whole world watches this match the nba has that kind of potential because this is the best basketball league in the world and as much as the the euro league is good and there's other good leagues out there the best players from europe are here (laughs) luca is here you know like and this is the. They're really. That's where the growth is for the league, and, and we'll get into that a little more later. But ultimately, I think you're right. I think that's where the investment people are looking at it. Going, <laughs> I'm buying a. It's kind of the. I'm buying a house near the beach, man. The value's not yeah, going I mean, down,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, this is.
1: I'm, I'm buying a prime property.
0: And it's crazy to think that this might be like towards and obviously it's not a low it's not like you're buying at 400 million right <laughs> but i mean but i think that this could be you know close to the like to like a lower because like the if, if the ceiling is what they think it could be it's pretty interesting like you mentioned soccer and how many people watch you know a match like el Clasico. we just yeah. finished the world cup official data from 2018 kurt guess how many people watched um the world cup in in russia in 2018 In uh, i i would i i'm billions a big number yeah billions would be my guess yeah i don't know yes over three and a half billion people. So like, oh, to think like half the world watched the World Cup final, like, you know, we talk about Super Bowl being a big number, a hundred plus million people, but like half the world tuning into a tournament, uh, like that kind of level is, and once again, we kind of zoom in, obviously the Premier League or Chelsea is not, you know, equivalent to the World Cup, clearly, but to kind of tap into like, well, what could growth look like for basketball around the world? it's a really interesting kind of question as far as like a, a Harvard business, you know, Yes, yeah. like that's kind of the way I look at this. I'm like, this is fascinating. 2019, the net sold for a record 2.35 billion. And then what, three years later, mind you, post pandemic, we're talking yeah. 4 billion. Yeah. And by the way, I
1: think on the court, if you're a Suns fan, and you live in Phoenix, this could be good as well. Sarver was not the biggest spender of owners, right? Like not a guy who was out there. I, I don't know that, the new ownership group is throwing money around like they're a bulmer. But, I mean, they that kind of money. But a little better spending, a little more professional, I think could be good for their reputation. That is a place, by the way, for agents like to go. I mean, Chris Paul chose it. You're not far from the West Coast. You're in a warm city. Uh, State taxes are good. And if you've got a family, like the, the, there's a lot of guys who like that market. So uh, new ownership is good
0: for them. Because, like, you know, that's the one place where, like, you think about where people train year-round, yeah, yeah. athletes generally, not just basketball players, but, yeah. you know, a lot of football guys train in Phoenix or like, in Arizona or they train in L.A., they train in Miami or Florida generally. So, like, you kind of look at the hubs of, okay, you got access to great training facilities year-round, you have golf year-round, and we know yes. how much NBA guys love to golf. So, you oh, can golf all the time. I, I also just want to mention, because um, you, you, it's a very fascinating note, it's the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. And I think this is great for the WNBA because, yeah. you know, a rising tide floats all ships and the fact that you have a record sale and it's both the NBA team and the WNBA team um, in the mix of uh, in the midst of Brittany Griner returning and announcing she does yes. want to play again. I think this is like a fascinating moment for the WNBA just to get a lot of eyeballs on it um, and, and some very positive kind of ideas. OK, well, what what is the valuation of a WNBA team? What is the valuation you know, of, of women's sports at the current moment? And I think this could actually be a great boon for, for uh, the WNBA as well.
1: I think that is a, by the way, a fascinating conversation, possibly lengthy one for another day, but there is, yeah. there's push and pull within WNBA ownership because you have, you know, you'll have the new ownership group in Phoenix. Uh, Josiah owns Liberty in New York and, and you've got a young group of owners willing to spend and an older group of owners who don't necessarily have that kind of money and want to grow more slowly. And it's, it's been a push and pull for a while, and it seems to be leaning one way, um, which is good for the WNBA. It's good for its players, um, and I think it could be good for the Mercury. I think, by the way, the other thing out of this, we kind of didn't – Matt, it should be a one NCAA national championship. Oh, yeah. as how, of do all, <laughs> how do we miss that? We, we, we that very – like, And outside of the Michigan State ties and Tom Izzo and all that fun, you don't – you were you look you were at Notre Dame as a scholarship player. If you walk on as a basketball player at Michigan State or a football player at Notre Dame or somewhere at Alabama, you you're competitive. You are a fighter. You do not get you, know, you go see go watch Rudy. They do a whole scene about it. You don't walk on to these kind of places, right, and be a casual observer. Like you've got to earn that kind of that that kind of spot. And I that kind of. Having that kind of competitive fire as an owner and a basketball background, I think will
0: be good, right? I also think if you're going to talk about the walk-on mentality, the walk-on, I mean, to to be that selfless, because remember, this is a hard job, and you're talking like, and for the most part, you're going to have to pay as well. So it's kind of like you have to pay to participate, and you're doing just as much work as everyone else, and you don't get the glory of actually playing for the most part. Uh, so I think that mentality actually could could serve pretty well in the ownership space. we talk about owners who are over-involved, you know, uh, too hands hands-on versus like trusting the process and trusting the basketball people to do the basketball thing. So to be a fan of the game, but also understand your role as an owner, I think is another interesting conversation um, that I think a walk-on might be uniquely um, you know, situated to understand more than most people.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. And by the way, Corey, I'm excited about this because it's time for Corey's jukebox, and we're staying in Phoenix. Like, we, you didn't yeah. – even before all this, I mean, you were talking about staying in Phoenix with Corey's jukebox and your musical selections for teams and players this week. So what are we doing in Phoenix, man?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess just, you know, the sun rises and sets in Phoenix, I suppose. I mean, it's just like every segment's being reborn there. I, I wanted to focus – this time I did two teams, Kurt. I know this is That's so unconventional. True. It's all right. You're
1: allowed to break the rules, man. There are yeah, no rules. yeah. I mean, we're, we're making the
0: rules as we go along. So, <laughs> so the, the Phoenix Suns, to me, I, I was drawn to that movie Cabaret, which we've talked about. We yes. talked about. I think it's a, a great movie. I mean, I think it's like I remember the first time I watched it, I was stunned, and I immediately texted my friend Jenna, and I was like, Jenna, this movie is crazy, and she was like, Yeah, I told you. And I, I, I could not fathom the, the like that. I don't know. It's just amazing. Um, I know you have different feelings about it, I,
1: but maybe, we'll talk about that. Go ahead. But,
0: but maybe this time by Liza Minnelli, I think one, it's a great song. It is, a great and song. it's very stirring. Um, secondly, I think it's perfectly capturing this moment of Phoenix, new ownership. Maybe this time we went far. Remember, we lost to the Bucks in the finals. We have Devin Booker putting up fifty-plus point games. You know, like Chris Paul. Yeah is you know he's getting older but like look we we can figure this out together as a group deandre aiden is still here <laughs> you know like maybe maybe this time like we can we can go over the hump and and win and because and we, we were there a couple different times best team you know uh in the nba you know then we went to the finals like they're they're chipping away they lost the new orleans pelicans like i think that this time they were kind of singing that song to themselves that you know nobody loves a, a loser they all love a winner And, like, I'm not there yet, but, like, I'm I'm almost there. And and maybe this is the year. And I I do feel like there is that hope in Phoenix right now. I think there should be.
1: I mean, they they have been good. They have stumbled of late and and come back to earth a little there. But And and there's even been infighting on the bench between Aiton and uh, um, Marty Williams again. But I I still think this team is – when you look at the West right now where nobody's run away – they should feel hopeful, shouldn't they? Like they're not somehow like out of it. It's not like they're looking up at the East, where you're looking up at the Buck. If if you're, I don't know, the Miami Heat, and you're looking up at the Bucks and Celtics and thinking, I don't know if we can get there. Like yeah. you, you don't think that in the West, right? Like the, who's running? Golden State's not running away with it. Nobody Clippers aren't. Nobody's running away with this. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and by the way, I will say, I really, I've seen Cabaret. I love Cabaret. I don't love the movie as much as the play. I have saw. An off-Broadway production in the former Studio 54 space years wow. ago. That um, was brilliant. Like I do love the musical and stuff. It, I'm just, I'm always. I don't know. It's, I, it movies rarely work for me as musicals. Like I, I, even the great ones. So I, I prefer the live. It has okay. been a theater product. But but that is a that is a great song and Liza certainly has. The presence and voice for it, doesn't she?
0: No, I mean, I mean, I, I like I said, I thought that movie. I was stunned when I first saw it. I, uh, I also think you, you, you made a very interesting point. You look at the Western Conference. Fourteen out of fifteen teams, Kurt. Ready for this? Yes. Last ten, everyone. Fourteen out of fifteen are in that four to four and six, five and five, six and four. So like, fourteen out of fifteen teams are sitting five hundred, and the one outlier is the Memphis Grizzlies who are at seven and three. In the yeah. Last ten. So when you talk about like <laughs> the separation between you know the twelve spot and the fourth spot, it's not it's not entirely like no one like you said is really separating themselves in, in the West. So for a number four seeded Phoenix Suns who's stumbling as of late, I think they're they don't have like the the level of cushion that let's say the Golden State Warriors have mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that like I have more faith that Golden State will figure it out and right the ship, even though it seems like there are some seriously like glaring issues there. Particularly on the road, which has been well documented, and, but I think the Phoenix Suns have built up like cachet the past couple of years. Where you know Monty Williams, like back-to-back Coach of the Year. You know Chris Paul is gonna, you know, like figure it out. You know that Devin Booker's balling. Like I feel like they also have probably the second most cachet of. They're gonna turn it around and figure it out, and and they're sitting at four. So I mean, like <laughs> turn it around and figure it out. It's like one, two, or three in the West. You know.
1: No, I'm with you. I I I I think. There's just, there's just so much opportunity in the West. It's really going to be an interesting second half of the year to see who separates themselves in that group. Yeah, any- the,
0: other, the, the other team, I want to take you to the Eastern Conference where, like you said, it's very clear. I mean, Milwaukee and Boston, and and I would say the Cleveland Cavaliers as well, and then everyone else, which is, which is interesting. I know some teams are making surges, but I want to focus on the Miami Heat because generally speaking, when you talk about the top three spots in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat, are a given they have to be in that conversation but this year that's not the case and i thought that was really interesting so i had to go back to my texas roots uh, a san antonio guy george Strait. i was just in san antonio he welcomes you to the airport uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like he has a voice, a voice george Strait's like welcome to san antonio texas He's oh
1: like, that's awesome yeah, I've yeah. Been, i haven't flown into the san antonio airport since well twenty fourteen. 14 like, oh, wow.
0: Okay, well, next time you go back, you'll get a nice warm Texas welcome by. by honestly,
1: Curry. I like to fly into Austin and make the drive. Oh. Then, I get a, then I get that extra hour and I, I love Austin. So, like, if I can get into Austin, spend an hour and make the drive, I do it all the time.
0: Why would you tell me that? You know, <laughs> I mean, support our city.
1: Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, do, I, sorry. I do love San Antonio. It, it is a city that I, I wasn't sure about at first and it really grew on me.
0: So. so, the Miami Heat right now are sitting at the A spot which I think is a generous eight spot, you know? And once again, the Eastern conference, basically everything past. I, I let's, let's be, once again, let's be generous. So let's say everything seven, the seven spot kind of down through 10 ish is kind of in the air for me, but the the Miami heat are sitting at the eight spot. They're 500, 16, 16. They just lost to the Chicago bulls. And, and when I saw that game, Kurt, like, the Chicago Bulls like look like one of the best teams in the NBA against this Miami Heat team. And this is all after Mexico City outing where they almost, you know, they, they played against the Spurs and won narrowly. And I know that Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. I know that Kyle, Kyle Lowry wasn't playing. But, you know, against the 11-seeded Chicago Bulls, I just thought that the Heat team, particularly, you know, well-coached, well-oiled machine. We talk about culture. You have Bam playing. You have Bam bio. You have Tyler Hero. I, I thought they, would, you know, look like the eighth seed, and they did not. And I'm starting to get a little nervous, and that's why I said I can still make Cheyenne, because that song by George Strait 1 is a, is a beautifully written song, and so you should listen to it. And he's, I think, I mean, he's such a great deliverer of, of like, lyrics, um, but it's about this this guy who was on the rodeo for too long. And he's a cowboy, and he calls his girlfriend, and he's like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to write. I'm coming home." And she's like, "Don't bother coming home. There's somebody new. I'll be long gone by the time you come home." And he's like, "Okay, but if I hurry, I can still make Cheyenne, right?" And so he hangs up and gets in the road, gets on the truck and still tries to make it and, and see her before she leaves, you know. And I think that's kind of like the the Miami Heat with the one to three spots in the Eastern Conference. It's like they're calling the number one to three spots, and they're like, "Hey, hey, honey, I, I know I've been a while since I've been up there. I'll I'll be home soon." And then in the one to three spots, it's like Cleveland picked up and said, hey, sorry, she's moved on. <laughs> you know, sorry, she's moved on. Don't even come How? home. And Miami is like Jimmy Butler's on the other line and say, hey, I'll, I understand that. I'm sorry to hear that, but I, I'm going to, you know, if I hurry, I can still make it. And he hangs up and puts his cowboy hat on, the boots, and, you know, and then gets on the plane and still tries to go. By the
1: way, that is a good tie in that way. Jimmy Butler does love his country music. It, in, See? See what in I do but- there? You should see when he get when he got to choose in Miami and some other spots, when he got to choose pregame music and he puts on some country, the looks on some of the other players' faces is just beautiful. You know, the, the Warriors do this. A lot of teams do this where they rotate through the players. You get to choose the music for practice. Jimmy Butler put on some country, and, man, these faces like, what? It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I've – followed Miami a little closer this year. I've been doing some stuff with Ira Winderman from the Sun Sentinel and like there's just no margin for error with them. And the last year, and that's not the norm for them, right? Because like they have this cultural depth with the organization. So last year, guys struggling. Oh, hey, we got Max Struess. You don't know Max Struess? We've developed him into a player. We pulled Gabe Vincent out of UC Santa Barbara. Thank you very much. We've turned him into a player, right? Like they pull these guys. This year they haven't had that. And if they don't have Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero on the floor, their shot creation just goes away. I love Bam Adebayo. He's not really a shot creator. He's played good defensively. But he's kind of your third option right there where he finishes. I'm so worried about him. Oh, wait, I just got the ball to Bam, and you can't stop him one-on-one. And he still had, I think, what, 29 last night. But last night was a perfect example. They They had to put Victor Oladipo on the starting lineup. He was like 4 of 12. Duncan Robinson was 4 of 12 or 4 of 13. Struess was 1 of 9. This was all against the Bulls. Those guys, uh, Vincent's out hurt. Their their depth that is normally there that gives them this margin for error just isn't there this year. They're one of those teams now where if everything goes right, they're dangerous. And if they get healthy for the playoffs, I don't know that I want to see them.
0: Hmm, yeah. Uh, but it's I interesting. Because I don't think they yeah, just yeah. the depth question though. It's so fascinating because if you would have told me on like a sheet of paper, "Hey, Jimmy Butler's out, Kyle Lowry's out, but you got Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and and Victor Oladipo playing," I would say this team could beat the 11 seeded team in the Eastern Conference. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but it doesn't translate, and that's kind of what I mean. Is this moment is like it's a pretty interesting moment where I'm like, how good is this team? And I and I and I normally I, I give them the benefit of that. I'm like they're gonna they're gonna figure it back out. Like they always do. And they're going to be, you know, in that dance at the, you know, the musical chairs at the end of the day. But right now I, I really am worried because it, it's like, they're still lingering. They're still lingering. They're still lingering. I just keep waiting. And I keep waiting, Kurt. And I'm like, that team should have beat the Bulls.
1: Yeah. Well, and now you look above them and they, look, they are the eight seed and they can argue they're not that far away, but I don't, look, they're not catching Milwaukee or Boston. They're not catching Cleveland. You think they're catching the Nets the way the Nets are playing right now? Like, no, okay. I think the Nets are legitimate. Like I don't contend, they're not a contender, but I think that they're legitimately there. Philadelphia is starting to put it together and Joel Embiid's a beast. Now you're talking about, Hey, maybe we can catch the Knicks if they slow down. Like, I don't know that they can get into the top six that easily just because of the depth of the East.
0: Yeah. And that, that's a great point. And so There's wiggle room, sure. That's why I said they can can still make Cheyenne. There's wiggle room. I I don't know if they can break, like you said, the top six, and that's concerning for a Miami Heat team. that, Once again, on paper, you think that roster, on on paper, that culture should give them a little bit of extra sauce where two plus two equals seven, eight. You know what I'm saying? And right now, two plus two is like three. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's not even equaling four at this moment and and once again we, we have high standards I think Kurt for you know the, the Miami Heat like they're still like, we've expected in, like, they've done it they've done it for so yeah, long right? that's what I'm saying so it, it's kind of it's a little unfair to leverage this criticism against them but we have higher expectations than top eight for Miami yeah, absolutely so let's go to the Kurt's, the Kurt's corner I I really enjoy um talking kind of in the weeds with you on some of these issues and You're going to take me to Mexico City, Heat Spurs, Heat 1, 111 to 101. Um, Why is, I guess, why has the NBA been so good at this kind of global marketing with these games, and what have been your biggest takeaways?
1: Yeah, that was good to see them back in Mexico City, even if Jimmy Butler is now saying he's out because he ate crickets in Mexico City, which, by the way, are delicious. Like, Mm. fried crickets, they're kind of popcorn-y, salty. Like, once you get over the mental hurdle, there was a, Place near here, us here in Long Beach, uh, run by a Oaxacan grandmother that was amazing. Um, unfortunately, didn't didn't survive one of the uh, economic downturns. But like, they're really good when they're done right. Um, the NBA has been so good because I think so early on, David Stern, before you know, in the in the previous, one, recognized the potential of international growth, and so they're playing games in Mexico City. They played. In London, they are back in Paris later. I think it's in July or February, uh, January, or February uh, for a game. They've been really good about hitting these markets and then doing preseason games. They were in the Middle East this year for mm-hmm. a preseason game. Right. Uh, China's gets preseason games. Um, and I think you'll see them continue on out. Uh, Manila in the Philippines is a
0: huge that's it. Like, like love basketball in the Philippines.
1: Yeah. It's, it is, I don't if you don't know, it is absolutely insane how much that goes. Honestly, and I haven't looked in a long time, but for a long time, it was like third in traffic for NBC Sports NBA page. It was weird. It was US, wow. Canada, Philippines. It was wow. um, but it is a basketball crazy country, and and the NBA, I think David Stern recognized we've got the premier product and we talked about this, we've got this premier product. We need to establish ourselves as, like you said, the premier league does. I mean, kind of soccer's a little more complex, but we can establish ourselves as the best players in the world going against each other. And you're going to tune in. And if it doesn't matter in, if you live in Athens and you root for your, your local club in Athens, that's great. You're still going to have an NBA team, man. I'm, you're going to be a, or a player, right? You're going to be a Curry yeah. fan or a Warriors fan or a LeBron fan or a Knicks fan or whatever it is. I think the league has done such a good job of that and is going, Corey, I think we're going to see them really lean into that over the next few years, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think, um, let me give you an example of soccer again, because I once again, I agree with you completely. Yes. NBA, I think, looks at uh, European football and vice versa. You know, I think yeah. there's a lot of the conversations there and like, Oh, you're doing that. The midseason, com- like the whole idea of the commissioner's cup, that's like straight out of champions league. Yeah. You know, like that's like the whole European model of football. Um, but I, I, uh, I remember the reason I got into the premier league was because of FIFA. And did you ever play FIFA? Uh, not a lot. I'm, I'm not a huge gamer,
1: but I, I have played it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I loved like a small club in, in France, Marseille, you know, I was like, man, Marseille is my team, and then I was like, no, it's Toulouse. Like, I knew the French, like the French, like League One because <laughs> I was playing FIFA, and I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I'm, like, I'm taking French. Neat. I want to learn. I want to play with a French soccer team. So then I was like playing in the in the French league, and you learn all the teams. And then like I was like, oh, you know, like I gotta pick a a, a Premier League team because you know I wanna I wanna like play in in the English. League, like you build a player, you do the whole thing. I think that's what the NBA uh, 2K game does, like on an international yes. level, right? And where everyone's like, okay,
1: like for me, like
0: I I picked a club because I like the color or I like the player. Like Didier Drogba played for Chelsea, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna you know, or like Wayne Rooney played for Man U, right? So like you kind of like pick a club based off of a player or a color scheme. Like Toulouse FC had like the coolest uniforms, they're like lavender and white, and I was like, oh, this yeah. is sweet, you know. But like I think it's the same way with like I would talk to his. Um, uh, yeah, I think when you talk to P- international fans, you'll see that they're like, "I love the Rockets because James Harden played there, or right. Yao Ming played there, right?" And, and then, and then they become a fan of the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, or and then the league, right? And I and I think that that game made a huge difference as far as just like international fan base post Dream Team as well, because Dream Team is number one. Yeah well, yeah, well, actually go back. David Stern, I think, is number one. Like you said, making sure that they had access to games overseas Um, because everything was on a tape delay, right?
1: It was for a long time. Of course, it was here in the 70s. Yeah, and here too. So it's like,
0: one is like, can you watch the games, watch the product? Two, like instead of amateurs playing in 88, like bringing in like the best players in the world in 92, beating everyone by like 40 points and like astonishing the world. And then I think three was the advent of video games like NBA 2K becoming like a cultural phenomenon globally, like as far as you know, gaming is concerned. And then basketball and street culture, marri- like marrying. And then now we're living in this streetwear culture where everyone's interested in sneakers, like and hip hop and like you know, fashion and graffiti and like you know, like break dance and that whole thing is like international. It's not just a Bronx thing. It's like the world thing. Yeah. So I think all these things. I think the NBA is starting to capitalize on. Um, but I, I really believe that uh, these games are just an extension of uh, like the, the next step for the NBA. And I think the Middle East is the most intriguing market post everything that's happening in Japan and China. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. But that is a really great point, by the way. I don't, like I said, I'm not necessarily a gamer, so I tend not to think of that first. And the NBA has obviously embraced it. There is, an, there is a 2K league with, you know, Kings teams and more Grizzlies teams and on down the line. Um
0: and players argue for the rating, which oh, is and like and they, and they
1: trade. They trade players. Oh, the play! Players get so worked up over their 2K rating. Poor Ronnie 2K, who's kind of the face of this, and he's on Twitter, gets abused. But like every player knows who Ronnie is. Like he yeah. comes to a game, and they're all pulling him aside, like, dude. 88 really like have you seen
0: but that? <laughs> well, that's great for the game because now like people are like you know why is John Moran tweeting about 2K you know why is LeBron yeah. tweeting about... so then it's like it's like free marketing and it's, it's a really interesting model I think
1: yeah and and but I think that's a brilliant point that, that that is that is a global game where kids growing again kid the kid growing up in Athens is going to play as the they might play as the Sacramento Kings just say you know and like hey and, and fall in love with Know, maybe purple and black or the beam or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But You know what I mean? Like they, that I, that's a great point that it, that really, that really adds the international flavor. So that yeah. is where the growth of the league is. I, again, I, I don't, people freak out about domestic. Oh, I don't know. The numbers are down and the numbers are going to be down on Christmas day with the games this year. Cause of the triple header on the NFL. I think just going head to heads, not limited number of TVs and sports fans. But that's not where the long-term growth of the league is. The league can be flat domestically, and it's still going to go through the roof.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about cable cutting and streaming, that's a really interesting conversation as well. And like, where do you think about like growth? I think that's fascinating. I also want to say the pivot, like, because there's been so many so many resources, like, you know, in China, particularly with Yao Ming, it helps when you have a Hall of Fame superstar, (laughs) you know, from like with the most great ambassador, just a great. Yeah, so I think that's been that's but but it's like after Daryl Morey, remember with Hong Kong, you kind of seen a reaction uh, where I think now the NBA and then coupled with back to Newcastle, where Newcastle is getting a ton of time today in the pod, but like this idea of middle eastern ownership, you look at the way that Qatar managed to operate um, a World Cup, you know. I would say, you know, without too many, like, too many issues, despite (laughs) all the, I right, I'm talking about about the smooth, as, like, the tournament was happening. You know, like, leading up to it, there was issues with, like, all sorts of things, like, like a whole bedlam of, and, like, there wasn't even, like, the city was built first, and then they're like, oh, wait a second, like, I was reading this great article about the Wall Street Journal, it's like, there was a huge city that was built, and then they, like, retroactively said, oh, let's actually do stuff, like, build a stadium for the World Cup. Like, to be able to, like, go through all that, I think, Kurt, and still managed to pull off that tournament, um, I think probably intrigues the NBA as far as being maybe a little more stable um, as far as autocratic, you know, owner uh, government are concerned. Like maybe the Middle East with like the, the Gulf might be a little more stable than China. And they're spending billions of dollars on teams. So if we want to talk about record prices and build the value of the league, we have to play in Abu Dhabi. We have to go, you know, we have to go to the, the Middle East, uh, probably more so than China at this current moment. And you think, um, when it comes down to, uh, uh, the, the, I think that's also why they're thinking about like the luxury tax and you think, okay, well, maybe there needs to be a hard cap because like, if you bring in the middle Eastern owners, we see what happened in European football. Oh, no, this, this is, yeah, that
1: is, that is part of what's going on here is, and, and by the way, we've talked about this. It's not just an NBA thing. You're seeing it in other sports as well, where, where the depth of the owners of not just Middle Eastern money, but, you know, again, Steve Ballmer, Josai type of money. But the NBA is really good about – look, they have league offices in Africa because they recognize the emerging possibilities there. There is also NBA India, and it is not – it is way down the list of – you know, well behind cricket and the important sports in India. But that's a huge market. And they're like, hey, we got to get our foot in the door. And it might take a couple generations, but there will be kids playing 2K – and, and there will be guys wanting to watch those players on streams, and suddenly you never know. So we'll see. That's
0: an interesting uh, – that's a very interesting conversation. Let's move on to the Christmas schedule. Uh, this is one of the most exciting days on the NBA yeah. calendar. We have uh, five games to talk about. Maybe do you want to just uh, do a quick lightning round perhaps? Or where do yeah, you want to no, go? No, what no, is no, interesting no, 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 no. to you? Okay. It's noon. Sixers at Knicks. Kind of fun, right?
1: Because the Knicks have won as as we speak eight in a row. And if Corey, they're playing defense. (laughs) They're they're actually their defense was terrible early in the year. They're playing defense. And the other thing that happened is they leaned into Tom Thibodeau, finally leaned into Corey Grimes. I just look, I, I hate not seeing Derek Rose in the rotation, but this is better. And Eric Fournier, gonna be tough to trade him when he's not in the rotation, but they're they're winning. This is working for them. And it's all great, Corey. Except Philadelphia's one five in a row. They're playing really well. And oh, by the way, they have Joel Embiid. Yeah. who is know he's averaging thirty-three points a game this season, Corey.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Do you think uh you think the Sixers are gonna win then? I,
1: I I would put the Sixers. I just think as much as I think the Knicks are playing well and to the best of their capabilities, the Knicks, I mean the, the uh, 76ers, their ceiling is higher. They're just their ceiling is higher. They have an MVP-level player, and there is no – all due respect to how much better Julius Randle is playing and a couple guys inside there, they don't have an answer for Embiid. There are a few teams that do, but they don't have any kind of answer for Joel Embiid.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think the Knicks are probably going to pull this one out, and Mm -hmm. I I think – I don't think this is indicative of the rest of the season for them, but I think they're having a moment, and I know one thing about the Madison Square Garden atmosphere – especially in big games and big moments. We're talking playoffs, which we haven't seen a lot of in the past few years and in New York, but in these Christmas day games, you know, it's like a playoff atmosphere. And I mean, and anything can happen in the garden on that kind of like electrically charged night. I'm just saying. So I, I think that New York pulls this one out um, and continues to streak. And then we'll see what happens in a couple of months. I think the yeah, Sixers might no, get the yeah, it, I,
1: I, look, I think there's a ceiling for the Knicks, but then it, you are not wrong about that. There's nothing quite like Madison Square Garden when it's rocking, is there?
0: Yeah, I think that that I mean, and when I look at this matchup, I think there's we're going to get there. One game that's probably the most compelling game, one game that's an interesting game. But I think the the star of the show will probably be Madison Square Garden like just like not not even the sixers not oh, yeah. even the mix just the atmosphere of Madison Square Garden might come out as like man did you hear how loud the crowd was at the garden during Christmas day game i feel like we're going to be talking about like the garden as a character
1: that's very possible the
0: second game of the day
1: Los Angeles Lakers at your Dallas Mavericks uh loses a little luster without Anthony Davis right it's just yeah. he was playing at an mvp level that he will not be there i'll just say they uh, As of us speaking, the Lakers have not yet officially released a medical timeline or said exactly what the injury is. Um, I know there were rumblings about a month. I'll just say sources that I talked to said month would be the short end of the recovery cycle, which Mm is bad news because now you got to lean on LeBron James turns 38 next week. (laughs) Like, uh, how much can you really lean into him now as your best player and star? And there's not much beyond that with all due respect to Russ, so, but that Christmas Day game, LeBron versus Luca should be entertaining. I, I don't know if it's going to be the best game of the day, but that's a that is a mono e mono matchup that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, Luca plays. I mean, you think about like six, eight point guards, six, nine. You, know, like, you think Magic Johnson? You know, and LeBron James is in that school of thought, and Luca is in that school of thought. And but they're but you know clearly that they each have their own like little like Luca has hints of Oscar Robertson, you know, like, and LeBron, I mean, it's just Le- LeBron is like, I don't even know who to compare him to, you know? So it's, it's, it's going to be, I think, a great exactly individual matchup. I personally am not that interested in this game. I think Dallas is going to win. Um, but I I do, I do agree. Yeah. You agree. Yeah. I think it'll be Dallas. Yeah. I But I think it's like the biggest thing here. You, you mentioned it about Los Angeles, <sighs> Anthony Davis, if he can stay healthy is clearly the future, right? right. I mean, and I think what's going to happen during this period of injury is you're always kind of holding your breath, you know, with, with him, unfortunately, which is, like, really sad because uh, he's so talented. Um, and the Lakers' fate depends on that. But I think you're going to get back to what we saw before where if Anthony Davis isn't the star of the show and everything's going through him and he's playing, you know, transcendent basketball, then you have, like, the microscope on Russell Westbrook for some reason. Because, you know, LeBron is kind of, like, he's kind of untouchable, I think, in some instances. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And so so it's really, going to go back. A girl, grow,
1: by the way,
0: like yeah, and, and then it's going to I think and then it's going to go like trickle back down to like what we had before, where like these conversations that then kind of break up the locker. You know, it's like it's going to be like a it's going to I think create a whole bunch of drama, and I think it's going to transition out to the, the actual play, and uh, it's going to really hurt. It's going to really set them back. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, next game, 5 p.m. Bucks Celtics. Wow. <sighs>
1: Best game of the day, and I—I got to say, Corey, when I saw this come out, and I was like, "Man, they're not going to do a finals rematch." That's always you know, Christmas Day. Yeah. There's always a finals rematch. Yeah. They didn't do it this year, and it worked out.
0: True, true, true. true.
1: Uh, what are you looking forward to in this one? Uh,
0: <laughs> good basketball. Yeah, great basketball. Right? I mean, like this is the one game where I mean, like I said, the first one. Madison Square Garden is going to steal the show. Second one, yeah, LeBron, Luca—that's always an interesting conversation. This is just good basketball. Like, you know, if you want, if you only have one one game because it's a busy Christmas day for you and your family, like this is the one to watch. Like, this is like if you're a young kid trying to figure out what does great, you know, basketball look like. Like, what? How should I play? Like, you know, quality. Because sometimes in the NBA right now, you don't get quality because people are getting rested and stuff. Like, this should be a quality game. No, this um, is. This is this is the
1: turn off the NFL game of the day, right? Like this yeah, is exactly. great this way to put it. The two best teams in the league right now and and probably the two I mean ESPN's t- Tim Bontemps does a straw poll that does a pretty good job approximating MVP voters. It's not the actual MVP voters, but it's it's close. It it mirrors it well enough and Jason Tatum and Giannis Antetokounmpo finished one, two in that poll, a very close one, two for early season MVP right now. Like if you had to vote today, yeah. like it's the two best players in the league, the two best teams in the league lately. I'm, I'm leaning bucks just cause the the Celtics have stumbled a little trying to integrate Robert Williams back in It just hasn't been smooth. They still don't quite, I don't know if Al Horford's going to be back for that game. He hasn't been back yet, but still I, Either team could win this, and I think what you're going to get is a higher level of basketball than we've seen For certainly on the first two games that morning.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on Bucks. So let's think about this, because this could be very well, the potential, you know, East Finals, right. a little preview. If you're this team, how, how do you approach this game knowing that you might, you know, this might be a matchup in a couple months as far as like for for all the marbles?
1: I don't know. It's funny when you talk to coaches, they don't worry about it much. In the NBA, unlike the NFL and other sports, you don't game plan horribly dur- or, or dramatically during the season. You kind of are who you are, and you you try, hey, we're going to work on zone defense for a few games because in the playoffs we might need to break out zone defense, or we're going to work on certain matchups. And stuff. But they, the players know each other and they know their strengths, but they don't really game plan like you would for an NFL game like, oh, hey, we got to take advantage of this and we're going to set up these places. They don't do that in the regular season. They don't practice that much. Um, but I will say coaches will throw – I've heard coaches talk and they're like – and I don't know if they'll do it this so early in the season and teams evolve by, you know, May when these teams would meet again. But you might experiment and say, hey, I want to see what this matchup looks like. I want to see if we get this matchup, what does it look like. I'm only going to do it a couple of times or for a couple, or, or put out a group first couple – if I've got a five-man unit I like for Boston, I might put them out there for three or four minutes just to really see. And then I'm going to pull it back out and save it. I'm putting it in my back pocket and waiting for the games that matter. You, you, you don't go totally vanilla, but I don't – especially as you get later in the season, but you don't totally want to tip your hand like, ooh, we really think this is work will work. Let's run it into the ground on Christmas Day because then you've, you're going to need this. In another. These two teams – I mean, nothing's for sure. But it's hard to not imagine right now, Corey, these two teams meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals, right?
0: Yeah. And in football, that's a thing where you might show a play because you want to see what it looks like against a certain look early in the season. But you but you also do it because you want to, to set up a counter later on when it really matters. So let's say you, you'll see this with offensive coordinators. Remember, football is like all about I mean, it's basically like it's super in the weeds, you know, it's like yeah. inside baseball kind of thing. It's like super like offensive coordinators think about this game. So, so intricately, but they'll show within like the first few games of the season, they'll show like a play, let's say like, let's say just for purposes of our conversation, a post. Right. Yeah. And so like this receiver runs a post on this, you know, route combination. And then they'll show that because in week 11, whenever like rivalry week, or, like, right before, like, a, whatever, the SC Championship game, they know that they're going to get this look, and they know that this team is going to study that tape because that was a big matchup week four. And they know they're like, okay, against this look, they like running this route combination, and the, and the guy, the number one receiver, runs a post. So be ready for the post. Sit on the post. Sit on the post. And then so the offensive coordinator will then put a post corner in, and run <laughs> like at the exact same like – like, third and long, you know, two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're like, okay – we showed that look, and then they're like, you know, rubbing their hands up and off in the booth, thinking the whole time. I know he's gonna jump on this and say we got him in the bag. They're running that crop combination just like week four. What we studied this, we repped it all week <laughs> in practice, and then there comes a post corner wide open. They win. So like, it's like it's exactly what you described. Like, or you wanted to see a, see what a matchup looks like,
1: right? And then save the good stuff for later. That again, that's the matchup to tune in. I'll, I'll take the Bucks, but I'm that's the best matchup of the day. I want to, I am. I will have family over at that point. I will record that game. I'll know what happened, but I will – that's the one when everybody leaves that night. You watching. I'll put myself back to the TV and sit in front of that one and watch it start to finish. So yeah.
0: that'll
1: be a good one. And next up after that, Warriors versus Grizzlies. The air is out of that one, too, because Stephen Curry won't be playing with his shoulder injury. That was supposed to be Stephen Curry versus Jaw. Um, so it kind of sucks the air out of that one. But I will say this, Corey, right now. If you made me choose today who I would pick to come out of the East, I mean, I out like of the West, Memphis. I think, I, I think the Grizzlies are the team right now. I, I think they're playing better than anybody, and they're doing without Desmond Bain. I, I got a feeling we kept like, oh, they're young. It's going to be their turn in a few years. I got a feeling this year could be their year.
0: Wow. I, I just think about basketball history for a second. Like I said, I, this is just spur of the moment. Yeah. Eight seconds of thought. So take it with a grain of salt, but a lot of salt, a (laughs) salt shaker worth of salt. I don't know. It seems like the teams that win generally have franchise players who have been at every stage and lost, you know, and then like year seven, eight, nine, ten, they break through. So, I feel like we're going to see this is, in my opinion, this might be John ja Moran's like Celtics moment. Remember, like Jason Tatum did this. Yeah. He, like lost like every single stage step of the way, yeah. right? And now he went to the finals and he lost. I, I feel like Jason Tatum is probably the, the next anointed one, as far as NBA is concerned, to break through. I think Ja has to do what Devin Booker went through as well, get all the way, lose in the finals, you know. So, I, to me, I think this is going to be one of those go far and lose late teams. Uh, yeah. I don't know Sons if be P. Like P. P. I, P. P. I wouldn't
1: pick them to win the finals. I just think they can come out I, in, a, in an open West. I just, I really like the way they play.
0: Then 10 PM. This one's the, the game that I'm like, interesting. Suns yeah. at Nuggets. Cause yeah. Denver's playing pretty well.
1: Denver's playing really well. Nikola Jokic continues to put up. I, I don't think he can. I don't think voters are going to give him three straight MVPs, but he's balling that good.
0: He's triple double. I mean, like he's. Yeah. But do you see that pass? By the way, let's just talk yes. about that. Yeah, the single legs pass. No look. That's like yeah. perfect.
1: Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous how much. He, he, to, again, as a fan, you should just tune in to watch. He, he is a joy to watch play. His passing will drop your jaw. Like it. It, it suddenly becomes a, a text winter cartoon halfway through with the jaw just. <laughs> like you get about two of those a game. Where you're like, I just can't believe he saw that and did that. He's it's it's brilliant and it's fun. Uh, the Suns will be good too. Like I, the Suns, again, they're struggling a little lately, but I still think I still think they'll get it together, and I still think this is a a pretty entertaining nightcap.
0: You know and I did recently. Uh, I watched Dirk Nowitzki. Remember when they won the championship? Yeah, he was oh, yeah. like like thirty, and he was he was late thirties, I think. Yes, and he was he was pretty old in his career, and and he was just unstoppable. I was sitting there with my dad watching this these highlights, and I just kept looking, at him. I was like, wait a second. Dirk was like, yeah, unreal. Right, like I just couldn't fathom like he was doing the things he was doing. For some reason, I just think Jokic. I mean, obviously, their games are like not the same, but I do think Jokic, like late, like in the 30s, I think he could be unstoppable, just like Dirk was, and just become like Finals MVP, just take over. You know, like late in like 37, 38. The way he plays ages so beautifully in the NBA. I, I really think we're gonna see like kind of like career uh, Kareem longevity out of Jokic.
1: It's very possible. It's That's not a game based on raw athleticism, right? Like, it's not one of those guys where – so certain players adjust to that. I think John Wall, like, has a, developed a lot of craft. Uh, you know he battled injuries, but, like, you see him play now. He's not – still pretty quick, but he's not John Wall explosive, but he's, there's a lot of craft to his game now. Jokic is all craft, man. <laughs> it's just beautiful. It's
0: It's unbelievable. So now it's time for the fun segment. Um, this is, uh, I think Dan, our producer, I, I think he might just like sit in his room and just like concoct. I don't know what happened. <laughs> there he has like this cauldron and he just throws in like Mad Libs. So just like, yeah. what if this, and then he'll like throw another word in this scenario and like that <laughs> place. And we got a really good one today. Our Mad Lib fun segment today is like, Dan did a great job. This so great Santa, <laughs> you got to lead with Santa. Santa Claus, I've traveled the whole world at night, Gerd. Right. You know, according to popular mythology <laughs> and Christmas songs.
1: Yeah, we're not going to work out the math, man.
0: <laughs> like, I got to look at my Delta, like, look at my Delta miles. I'm just like, hey, but yeah, so um, if you had Santa powers as a superpower where you could, let's say, go to London, you know, like that, yeah. you know, and then come back like that. So, like, no travel time, mm. everything's open, you know, and we'll even throw, I'm saying, Dan did not do this, but I'll throw this in any season as well so you could go let's say ski in japan come back and then go you know be summertime wherever you know what i'm saying like let's where would you go what would 24 hours with santa powers look like for you see and i like to i i I don't know if i'd bounce around because i like i
1: i I think you get a better vibe of a city walking around it or or a place just walking around it and being in it for you know i prefer it's a little hard with the NBA jobs and like my ideal vacation is to, yeah, we'll fly it around, but we'll go to Tuscany and we'll spend a week in, um, like go into small markets. And do, like, I like that kind of experience in other countries. Um, but the place I haven't been, and I don't know if you've been there, the place I haven't, in fact, I think you have been, that I haven't been and really want to go experience is Tokyo like I would pop over. I've never been to Tokyo. I've never been to Japan, but it is probably at the top of my like. I just want to go vacation there and experience the what would be a very different culture, obviously. But like, man, I am. I. It's not just ramen and sushi. Like I'm, I'm an adventurous eater, and that's a different place, man. Let's just go. Like I want to try everything. So I, I spending twenty four hours in Tokyo trying to experience everything—not everything you can, but as much as I can there. Would kind of be my thing. I would I would want to go there and do that. But you know, it's tempting because like I have the other place on the top of my list. I haven't been to Italy. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. dying to go to Italy. Um, and th- that would you know again, breakfast in Rome, dinner in Malpuciano or something would be mm. great. But mm. I write I, I, today, I, Corey. I'm feeling Tokyo. I don't know why I'm feeling Tokyo. I'm feeling Tokyo. Maybe wow. maybe, no. quite, want, maybe if I want to chill off, maybe go up to Hokkaido for like the night up in the north. Yeah, yeah. Go
0: to Hokkaido. Yeah. I like I like where your head's at. But um, uh,
1: it, I, I experienced some other cities there, but I, I think Japan would be probably at the top of the list right now. What about you?
0: Yeah, I uh, Dan kind of teased me before this because yes. he was right. I, I I probably would just live a normal day of my life and just like go to the Met, like sleep in, go to the Met, like go get like you know hummus somewhere here in New York in Queens, <laughs> and, like and, like watch basketball and go to sleep. Um, to me like and maybe watch a movie on Criterion. I I, I really like and I gotta throw in like an espresso somewhere like you know yeah. in the city, but I, I would just probably live a normal day, which I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe that's like. I've reached the Zen level. I don't know. I don't know. Is this what Nirvana is? I don't know, Kurt. I,
1: I, I there is nothing wrong with being happy with your life, Corey.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, nothing I, wrong with
1: that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Merry Christmas to me. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest exactly. No, but no, but I, if I had to choose, though, I was thinking, what would I do? And I would probably. I've been to like maybe I want to say just shy of thirty countries in my life. I'm twenty seven. I uh, would probably go to every country I've never been to. I would just go to every, I would go to every country. You've the got country. that power now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. will just, Oh yeah, exactly. I'd just be like, you know, I'm going to go spend 15 minutes and whatever. Europe. I've never been to Chile. I'd go to Patagonia. You know, I'd go to, yeah. I, I don't know, I'll, I'll just go spend like, I, w- I would try to see every country, I guess like what 200 something plus. So I'd have to figure out how much time I could spend in each one, but I would like to at the end of that 24 hours, say I've been to every country in the world.
1: I'm not, by the way, I'm not sure time applies to Santa. I'm just, I think that that's how. That's an interesting going. question. See, I don't, I, I, I think he's some sort of twilight zone warping of time thing is the only way that works. And
0: yeah, you know, yeah, so, but that's you, know, but
1: you can spend a little time there,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Or wherever you're going
1: where, you know, to, you're going to Peru or whatever you're going to do.
0: Yeah, I, I would take notes, though, because I'd be like this. I'd be like, Kurt, you know, I would go to all these places and be like, oh, mental note, you know, Machu Picchu slapped. I want to come back. But, you know, but I'm not a fan of Belize, you know. So, like, so like yeah. I would take notes. So, after my 24 hours, I would say, these are the 10 places I would like to do what you do. You know, go get a week, you know, vacation yeah. in Dublin. You know, like, you know, like, that's kind of what I would do. It would be like a survey way,
1: trip. I, I love Dublin, but if you're going to do Ireland, I think you've probably been there. But if no, you, I've never you, been. Oh, look, you spend... 48 hours in Dublin, you go to the Guinness factory, go to, which weirdly has like the best view in town from their bar um, and, and do a tour. Get out in the countryside, mm. get out and some of the, get out and drive the Dingle Peninsula, which is kind of on the other side, but get out. And, Ireland is one of those places where I think the countryside and the small towns is the experience. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, sounds awesome. I love listening to like the Chieftains, so I mean, that <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. But uh, for all the latest NBA news articles and more, why don't you head over to nbcsports.com/slash-nba? Kirk, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but we're off next week. Yeah, but we will be back roaring in the new year in 2023. So I will see you next year. Happy you holidays. too.
1: Have a good holiday and New and Fourth and uh, New Year's Eve, Corey. Take care of yourself. Enjoy it.